You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ in others, and grows together in our faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, September 13, 2020, by the Right Reverend Greg Rickle, Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Olympia. that it exceeds the national debt of a small country. 
No person could repay it, even if they were to sell themselves and their family into servitude for several lifetimes. And all those listening to Jesus would most likely have understood that very plainly. In an outrageous act of generosity and mercy, the king graciously forgives this unforgivable debt. The second servant owes a hundred denarii. It's a decent amount of money, but like the number seven in Peter's question, it's measurable, minuscule by comparison to the debt that was forgiven by the king. All listening to Jesus would have known that and understood it, and even more, the vast difference. When the forgiven servant refuses to extend compassion, it is no wonder that the king becomes angry. He has granted his servant a level of forgiveness that exceeds imagination. And yet, that servant is unwilling to offer even the smallest mercy to another person. The parable doesn't explain the servant's refusal to forgive. Perhaps he'd suffered harm as a result of the second servant not repaying the debt, or maybe he was paralyzed by his own greed, afraid to give up the power he held by virtue of the debt, distracted by the unexpected change that had just taken place in his life, too caught up in his new privileged status to concern himself with the plight of others less fortunate. <clears throat> we don't know. Maybe he just had a very short memory. Or maybe deep down, he truly is embedded in something we see a lot of in this society we live in today. I got mine, you get yours, dog eat dog. You might say Jesus was trafficking in the ideas of quantity and frequency. And in this generation, if we're not careful, we can mishear this. Jesus uses the hyperbole. To make a point, but if we take it too literally, our generation is bound to miss that point. Like many of the parables, the whole story is to do one thing, I believe, but it attempts to get to that one thing by telling a story. Here, Jesus first shares with the people a debt being held by that first servant that is so large it is almost incomprehensible. Remember, this story, this parable, begins with a question how often? should I forgive? And Jesus, to answer it, tells this story. I make that simple and somewhat obvious to anyone's statement. Simply to say, I don't think the story that follows is meant to be a description of how God works with us here on earth. It is a story about this world that the people living in it could understand. Let me put it another way. Much more late, I've tried to pull back when I read a parable and wonder about some of the things I have already stated today, put myself in that moment as much as I can where Jesus is asked this question and when and with what he responds. I've come to believe that this parable was not told by him to get the reading of it that's so prevalent among Christians, a more literal reading. The biggest mistake to me, making God the king in the story. And us, or even worse, all those other heathens but me, as those servants. Of course, that's the read if you if that's the read you make, and if that's yours, I'm not here to take it away from you, but you might just listen in generously today for a different take. Like so many of the parables, instead of these characters being assigned to anyone, it is a story of the overall relationship of God with us, and even more directly, this is a story of what takes place within each and every one of us not outside us. In other words, inside us is both the king 
those moments when we do have the superpower to forgive mighty things, what others would see as unforgivable things. The second servant is in us too, carrying around debts that we cannot repay, real and metaphorical, literal and imagined. And we are also that first servant who receives the greatest mercy, perhaps a mercy we know that if deserving it was in the equation, we know we would not have received it. And yet even though we know that, we turn around and exact untoward oppression on those first, those we cannot, we can exact untoward oppression on, and finally anyone who gets in the way of what we want and where we need to go. All of that is inside us. When we become Christians, we vow to change the way we look at the world and to change the way we walk through it. That's the one thing I think this parable is ultimately about. It's about that chasm, that gap, that wide expanse, that territory between our God and that God's tremendous capacity and willingness to give, to forgive, to bless unconditionally and universally, and our capacity to follow that and live that in this life. It's about that chasm inside each of us between acting in the graceful, merciful way God treats us and the selfish ways we too often respond. It's about that one valley between God and us and between what we are called to by Jesus and who we really are here every day. We live between the absolute unconditional love and forgiveness of our God and the selfish, forgetful, ungrateful parts of ourselves that keep us from living into the character of the one we believe is at the center of our existence. It reminds me a bit of that Jewish parable. Everyone must have two pockets with a note in each pocket so that he can reach into the one or the other depending on the need. When feeling lowly and depressed, discouraged or disconsolate, one should reach into the right pocket and there find the words, for my sake, was the world created. But when feeling high and mighty, one should reach into the left pocket and find the words, I am but dust and ashes. We live between the two. I think this parable is about that in-between space and the trouble we get ourselves into when we're unwilling to keep God at the center of that space. And to remember always just how much and an insurmountable debt we have with our God, and yet that God loves us, forgives us, carries us, no matter what. I would say to be faithful to our call, we do have to act. We don't just blindly meander through life. Be curious about the facts. As resilient and independent as you are, don't be blind to the fact that any success you have came with many debts to others. That's another lesson from this passage. We all have debts. When we sign up to be a Christian, we actually say we know we are in the deepest debt to our God, who, by the way, forgives it all. But, as I also believe, forgiveness does not mean also giving up our accountability responsibility. When we are forgiven, the fact that it was once there, that debt, is still true, but it's been transformed from debt to gift. That's the point. 
maybe the bumper sticker for this parable in this age is this. God turned your debt into gift. Live like you know that. God turned your debt into gift. Live like you know that. Let's ask me to title my sermon, and I don't usually do that because I don't get to the title until I'm done with it. And I'm usually not done with it in time for the deadline. But if I had a title, that would be it. God turned your debt into gift. Live like you know that. Now see, I probably could have saved you all about ten minutes of having to listen to me if I had just gotten to that bumper sticker sooner. <laughs> so thank you for letting me work it out in front of you. <laughs> My beloved, I've said these words to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website at www.stthomasmedina.org.